0: Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. Straight up, two o'clock. On this Friday afternoon, good afternoon, and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My name is Dave Burns, alongside the one, the only, John Gambadoro. Hi, Gambo! Burns, what's going on? Oh, what? what isn't going on? I got,
1: I got my old buddy Trap back behind the I'm glass
2: Trev. right there.
1: Man, that is I'm great I'm to like see Trev. What
2: up, though, gentlemen? It's good to see you guys. Trev. Oh, I love him. He's one of guy. my
0: favorite that's people that's worked He's here. Good to have him filming yeah. on the board while Mitch is at his sister's graduation. Good to have Trevor in here. She's gonna add to the day. We just got, it's just gonna be one of those days. Mm. Maybe not as busy as yesterday, but we got Suns Nuggets to preview. We, too. we got the draft to look back on. We yeah. got the draft to look ahead to. We got Game One coming up between the Suns and Nuggets
1: tomorrow. We got the Suns moving TV channels. We got the Suns get, <laughs> they moving TV get, channels. Get their own
0: network kind of. We got the owner of the Suns for the first time since he's taken ownership of the team. We got Matt Ishbia joining us later today. I mean, we got we just. Hacked shit. That's the During our show, we're going to have the Cardinals second round draft pick. We just don't know. Is it going to be at 33? Is it going to be, be later? down? Are they going to yeah. move? All their that stuff- quarterback is still hanging around. Yeah, he's not going to be in the green room, by the way. Did you see that? Uh, he will not be at the draft Oh, he's tonight. not going to be yeah. there. He'll be watching from a private location. <laughs> Apparently, he doesn't want to sit in the green room any longer. Wow. Poor Will Levis. Wow. It always sucks to be the last one there, but when you don't even go in the first round, I know. And you're in the green room. Oh, you know, it Showing him last night, it's just, it's just, oh, it's just awkward. Yeah. So we got a lot of stuff going on on today. Let's weigh in with our top story of the day here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. The weigh-in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. All right, we have, as I mentioned, so much stuff to get into today that it's almost one of those days where it's hard to know what to, where to start. It really is. It, we're going to talk Suns Nuggets. I we're feel so unorganized. It, it's, we're good. We're on top hmm. of it. We're ready to go, but we're just also ready to pivot if we need to. We're going to talk Suns Nuggets. We're going to talk a lot of Suns Nuggets today. But we really got to start with the Cardinals draft because last night was a, a fun night. It, it just had the highs and the lows. It was like its own little mini soap opera. And then in the next segment, we're going to talk about what we think might happen today for the Cardinals in the drafts, because there's a lot of moving parts with today yes. based off of what happened yesterday. Let's start, though, with what happened yesterday and the selection of Paris Johnson Jr. at number 6 overall.
1: Well, there's two things that, that, that happened to get to that point. And the first thing that was happened was they made this gigantic trade with the Texans in which the Cardinals got back the 12th pick overall the 33rd pick overall, a first-round pick next year, which is the Texans pick, and then a third-round pick next year. They gave up pick number three, and they gave up a fourth-round pick this year. So, decent Hall. I mean, at the time, I didn't really like it because I, I hate moving out of that top-ten area. What you love about it is you do love that the first-round pick next year has the potential to be a really, really good pick if the Texans aren't good. You don't like that you didn't get you know another first round pick or even another second round pick outside of the second this year, then so at that point, I'm like, okay, we started to discuss on the draft are any of the guys that they really like going to be there and at that point, we had mentioned the two cornerbacks, Witherspoon and Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. we mentioned the two linemen, Skarowski and Paris Johnson. We mentioned Tyree Wilson. And Jalen Carter. And the thought is any of those, are any of those guys going to be there? Because if, if it is, then maybe you could salvage this. But then what do they do? They make a trade with the Lions. They give the Lions the, uh, they move up with the Lions. They get the sixth overall pick from Detroit and the 81st overall pick. They give up the 12th. The 34th and the 168th overall pick. So they make that trade and then they get Paris Johnson. So that's how they got to that point. They traded down and then they traded up. And in the end, you know what? I mean, I think they did pretty good. I think they did pretty good because they got, I'm happy that it was an offensive lineman that was really highly sought after in this draft. Yeah, I, I,
0: I think they did really good. I was with you, and, and we did our draft show yesterday, and anybody who was listening to us live in the moment yesterday, we had the panel of the four of us, you, me, Bick, and Wolf, and it was pretty obvious in the moment that you and I were not super thrilled with the return after the first trade, after the Texans trade. We're like, ah, really wanted multiple first-round picks. You go from 3 to 12, and, and I, you know, I get it. It was for a linebacker and not a quarterback, and you pay more of a premium for a quarterback, but it left me wanting a little more. More. When we finally saw the grand plan, right? Like what the what the big picture here was. Then I really, really liked it because I think the Cardinals, I think the Cardinals were taking Paris Johnson. I think they were committed to wanting Paris Johnson no matter what. And what I loved about what they did, they stuck to that commitment, but they also Honored the value of where they were picking. They knew they couldn't take Paris Johnson at three. It's just, that's just not good value. That's a, that's a way. So what they needed to do was take advantage of the fact that they were in three, move back collect all these extra picks, and then go into a position where it feels right to take Paris Johnson. And according to the reports, I saw Darren Urban wrote about this at azcardinals.com, the reports were the Falcons at eight were all over Paris Johnson Jr., that they were going to take him at eight. So if you really wanted him, you had to go to six or seven to get him, and you Mm -hmm. found a willing trade. And so to get the guy that you wanted to draft an offensive lineman, which is something, he's the highest offensive lineman the organization has taken since Jonathan Cooper. I mean, it's been 10 years since they've done this. To do that and to still walk away with a first and a third next year and not the Browns' first round pick next year. The Texans. It's the Texans' Mm -hmm. first round pick. You could have two top four, top five, top six. Were you surprised that the Texans
1: gave up that inventory to go get a player that's not a quarterback? Yes, I was. I was. And they're getting a little ripped for it too today, by the way, for what it's worth. I saw mixed. I saw a lot of people like that they would... Because that was their dream scenario. They had a lot of picks. The Texans had a lot. They had like 12. Yeah. They had a lot of picks. Their dream scenario really was to thread that needle to get Will Anderson and C.J. Stroud. When I say ripped, understand what I mean, is
0: not necessarily coming away with the draft with C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson. They're getting praised for that. I'm talking specifically about what they had to give up to get yeah. Will Anderson. There are some people who are like,
1: oh, that was kind of a hefty price to do all that. Depending on where that first-round pick lands next year, yeah, if it's a top five, top six, seven pick, you're going to be like, wow, and then the Cardinals are going to be awfully bad next year. You might have two picks in the top five, two picks in the top six. You know, That could be worth. Now, will we look at Will Anderson, and if he ends up being a you know double-digit sack guy that gets 15, 18, and it's, oh my God, you could have had it Maybe. Maybe. Sure. We'll possibly could look at that. But you know what I like? I like that they got – you know me. I'm big on – I don't want to go too far down because once you do that, you're not getting the best offensive lineman. You might not be getting the second best. You might be getting the third best offensive lineman, the third best quarterback, the fourth best defensive lineman. So the further you fall down – so I like being in a spot to get the best player at a position of need. It is interesting to see that had they
0: just stayed put at 12 in retrospect, Christian Gonzalez would have been there. He, he fell to 17. He went to the New England Patriots. I, Just and,
1: for what it's worth, he it. would have been there at number 12. You I know? get it. I get it. The cornerbacks scare me a lot more than defensive and offensive linemen. And I still go back to that draft a couple of years ago with two top, to, two top ten guys in Jeff Okuda and C.J. Henderson who aren't even on those teams anymore. So I prefer an offensive lineman over a corner. All right. Let's talk about the player himself because okay. we talked about all the, the,
0: the movements and the maneuvering. Paris Johnson Jr. today is introductory press conference at Cardinals headquarters we carried it live here on Arizona sports this
3: is awesome I mean I feel
0: like all the work that um that has been done not only for myself but um from my mom right here um you know she's the first one to invest in me you know so first I want to thank you especially for all you've done and I want to thank all my family who came here today and Adam I appreciate everything you've done and the second off I, I, I want to thank you, know, you guys I um but Mr. Bidwell, c- c- Coach um, JG, and um, Mr. Monty. I mean, I mean, to, to to get the call from you guys, life changing, you know. And to be here, to be in Arizona, um, to be a Cardinal. I mean, I I, I, I I say I'm a Cardinal with pride, you know. So to be be a part be a part of this team is amazing. So thank you. Oh, I love you thanking you the mom. Oh, thanking the mom. The mom. <laughs> Did you see the video? That they sent out, you know, the phone call, hey, you're gonna be a cardinal, right? Monty's on the phone. I did not see that. The cardinal sent it out. I did not, I did not I, I'm see a sucker for that stuff. I really enjoy watching that stuff. Monty gets on with the phone, the phone with Paris Johnson Jr., who's in KC, and he says, Oh, we're gonna take you, you're gonna be a cardinal. And Monty says to him, Here's the first thing I want you to do. There are a lot of people who made sure you got to this point in your life. You have to thank every single one of them tonight. You you, you have to do that. All right. You your your parents, your mom, your dad, your this, you everybody who helped. To get you here because tonight's a big night. You got to celebrate. You should be proud of yourself, but you got to thank the people who got you here. I just thought I thought that was really really cool that he did that. Um, the physicality that he's going to play with. He says
3: that's his favorite part of football. I think the best part of being a football player is one the physicality of the sport. I think that's what attracted me to, to, to the game is the ability to impose your will on other people, you know, and, and, and they're not able to stop it, um, <laughs> even if they want it. It's I think joyful. that's the dominant part of sport.
0: <laughs> Ron's brain is exploding yeah. right there. Um, mm-hmm. Says he'll play anywhere. You want me to so You want me to play tackle? You want to play guard? I just want to play.
1: I'll do it. I'll line up at free safety. I start that's him at right tackle. Want. I started him at right tackle this year. Yeah. I'm playing at right tackle. DJ at left. And then, if you know, once DJ wears down and he, whatever that may be, it could be this year, it could be next. Then DJ can move to right, and I can move uh, Paris to left. He'll eventually be your left tackle. That's why you draft a kid that high at six overall. You're not, you know, you're not hoping he's a guard. He was a he was a guard at one point at Ohio State, but then Ryan Day moved him to left tackle, which is his natural spot. he's a good player. He did struggle against better competition, Michigan, Georgia. He struggled a little bit there against the highest level of competitions. But you know, this kid was a really really good football player and yeah I think everybody that's an offensive lineman has some habits that they want to change bad habits but there's a lot to like about his ability to be a tackle in this league.
0: Alright so when we come back on the Burns and Gambo show now we turn our attention to round two but first I do want to remind you that Rock and Roll Hall of Famers Red Hot Chili Peppers are headed to State Farm Stadium with special guests The Strokes on May 14th. You can win a pair of tickets now by visiting the contest page at Arizona Round one done. Round two of the draft could be a just as important and b just as nuts for the cardinals why we'll tell you why next on the burns and gambo show
4: burns and gambo afternoons two till six on arizona sports the local sports leader Alright,
0: back here with you on the Burns and Gambo Show. John Gambadero, Dave Burns, after a busy, busy day yesterday. Thanks to everybody who tuned in. Who showed up? We were at the Cardinals draft party. It's uh, from from the minute we found out about the mandated trade because of the tampering charges to the moment the Cardinals moved back into the top six to take Paris Johnson Jr. It was probably a stretch of about forty five minutes where our hair was just on fire, right? Like we were just cooking with gas, man. It was flying stuff. Was we right? It was crazy.
1: Yeah. I just kept looking at the players who, you know, you believe they like the most. And is any Were any of them? Gonna to be there and that's what we discussed a lot on the show is man, if you stay at that spot right then everybody I'll tell you this is where so many of the prognosticators everybody got it wrong everybody was Tennessee's moving up Tennessee's moving up Tennessee's moving up it was Houston it was Houston I mean that deal had been agreed I mean that, that deal was was easy. That was an easy deal to do. The Texans knew they had to take C.J. Stroud too, and to get Will Anderson, trade with the Cardinals. So, so that's what they did. And once they t- took C.J. Stroud, it was like, okay, is anybody going to move ahead of the Colts, you know, to get Anthony Richardson? But they had a, the Cardinals had a good deal with the Texans, and they really value the possibility of having a really good first round pick next well, year. Well, like you said yesterday during
0: the coverage too, if Houston, okay, if Houston takes Will Anderson. First at
1: number two. They don't get to three. They, they don't get to three. Then no, the Cardinals co- got seven teams calling to get CJ Stroud, and somebody might make a better offer. They're going to get a better
0: offer. So instead. Or, or have
1: to give up more.
0: Yeah. So CJ Stroud has to go first yes. in order for the Texans to pay to. less to move
1: up from 12 to three Had to. to make all this happen. Yeah, you take all the other teams off the board now. There's no reason to call the Cardinals to move up to three because CJ Stroud's gone. So now you can make a deal that you feel is fair with them. From about five o'clock until about, I don't know, six. When the pick was made
0: with Paris Johnson, it was just crazy. Now, I'm not saying today is going to be as crazy. I think today has the chance to be a little crazy, too. And here's the reason why. The Cardinals, as it stands right now, they have the 33rd overall pick, the second pick in today's yeah. second round.
1: But there's one player I really want. Okay, go ahead. Share. I want Joey Porter. Joey Porter. do we Can you find a
0: draft profile for
1: Joey Porter I want the for Penn me? State. I want the Penn State corner. Okay. He, I want the Penn State corner.
0: Chances are real, real good he might be there. We find a draft mm. profile. We'll go ahead and play that
1: for you. Yeah. But
0: here's the other thing to consider. And as much as I'd be really intrigued by Joey Porter, too, according to multiple reports, there are teams galore that want to move up in the second round. The Falcons, the Titans, the Bears, the Raiders are all being mentioned as teams that might want to move. Follow me here, okay? To number 32, which is where the Steelers are. Steelers have the first pick of the second round. Yes. Titans, Falcons, Bears, Raiders. Is it is some of those for Will Levis? Potentially. Potentially. Okay. But some of those teams might be for somebody else. And if those teams don't move up to 32, but the player they love is still on the board at 33, call the Cardinals. Call the Cardinals. Now, remember, the Cardinals, because of all the shenanigans, they've got a big gap. Between today's first pick, right yeah. at mm-hmm. number thirty-three, and the next pick they have isn't until eighty-one. They go I, I fifty know.
1: picks without making a pick. Tambo. So I thought about that. I thought about that a lot this morning as we as we're kind of you know getting ready and preparing. Why wouldn't they just be able to take? 81, 94, 96 and move up that way oh instead of dropping oh. down from 33. So I understand what you're saying. Somebody will call you at 33. You can make a trade, move down 7, 8, 10 spots. But I think you might be better off taking the player you want at 33. Hear me out here. Take the player you want at 33, whether it's the center for Minnesota, that John Michael Schmitz, or it's Joey Porter Jr., the cornerback. I'm happy with either one of those guys. And then if you want to get a little bit higher, say you want to get into the 60s, We'll take 81 and 94 and go to 60. You mm-hmm. still got 96. So you've got three picks within 15 81, 94, 96. So I know exactly what you said. I don't want to give up 33. I don't want to give that up. But I understand trying to move up maybe into the third, you know, higher. To, to fill that, that gap. gap. Yeah, to fill so that then long maybe gap. maybe you take the three picks that you have at 81, 94, 96, package two of them to move up, you know, into to 65 or 70 or somewhere in an area where you can get somebody else. You certainly could. Let's play that Joey Porter Jr. draft profile. Hit it for me, Rubes.
0: Joey Porter Jr., cornerback, Penn
2: State.
4: If the name sounds familiar, don't check your ears. Son of former pro bowler Joey Porter, his son is one of the most physical cornerbacks in this year's draft. Porter Jr. vaulted himself up with the top defenders in the country his last collegiate season, earning second team AP All-American and first team All Big 10. By using his frame, worthy of shutting down big physical receivers. He also used his strength to make receivers reround and breaking up would be catches. However, his lack of top speed and quick twitch reactions are part of his game that needs work. NFL comparison, Lions cornerback Amani Oruorie.
1: His dad to, played for the Cardinals. Uh, Do you remember that? Oh
0: yeah. It wasn't very good, but he played for the Cardinals. According to Daniel Jeremiah, again, not the end-all, be-all, just one reference point here. He had Joey Porter Jr. as his 23rd overall ranked player. I, I,
1: I like the center from Minnesota. He's one of the top-ranked centers. Okay, uh, John Michael, uh, John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. I like him. No, that's a good pick right there. John they Michael give, Schmitz. If they get the John Michael accuracy. Schmitz or Joey Porter, I'm happy with either one. But, man, I, and I, I know they need a center. Trust me. I know they need a center. But, man, I, I, to get yourself a shutdown corner, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to that at all. Give me a little John Michael Schmitz. Would you please, Rubes?
0: on Michael Schmitz, Interior Offensive Line, Minnesota.
4: Schmitz was a first-team All-American with Minnesota last season, his sixth year with the Gophers, and was pro football focus's highest graded center by a mile. He's light on his feet with impressive explosiveness at the snap, and has a lateral burst that allows him to cover a lot of ground on the line of scrimmage. Scouts seem most impressed by his football intelligence and how quickly he processes information. NFL Comp, free Agent Center
0: Ben Jones. There, are, I've, I've seen other names: Keanu Benton, the defensive tackle out of Wisconsin, was a mock selection. DJ Turner, the corner yeah. out of Michigan. Brian Branch, the defensive ba- back out of Alabama, as a possibility. Mm. Um, I mean, there's look, there's actually a, there's a lot of possibilities where the Cardinals could go here.
1: So it, it, our boss is going to be really happy about this. But I, there was a draft for the New York Jets. 2005-06, somewhere around there, where they drafted their franchise tackle and center, one two, first first round, second round. The Jets got to Bricashore-Ferguson in the first round. They got Nick Mangold in the second round. It was a foundation for what ended up being a really, really good Jets offensive line. Yeah. This would be reminiscent of what the Jets did back then, 2005-06, somewhere in that area, when they got to Bricashore-Ferguson and Nick Mangold and they had these two really good offensive linemen for many, many years. If you're able to get Paris Johnson... And then Schmitz, you get your tackle in your center. That could be great. Like, I'm not opposed to that. Mm -hmm. I'm not opposed to that. I lean towards the corner a little bit more than the center. But I wouldn't be against the center at all. Well, just because the corner might have
0: better value at 33 than the center. I mean, again, the center's a good pick, but that's probably one that you could make five picks from now and probably still yeah. get away with. You. And Joey Porter Jr., you're going to have to get him at 33. If, he's, if he doesn't go at 32, I think you're going to have to get him. He'll go very, very quickly today. So I, had very some, quickly. I had
1: somebody ask at my gym today ask me, hey. Could you take Will Levis in this? Set? No, no. no. But, wait, but what about you? Because just think, if Kyler doesn't work out, you've got a guy who's already here, and I'm like, no, no, no. no if no, Kyler doesn't no. work out, you might have two f- top five picks next year, and you might be able to get a bed. No, you don't take Will Levis here. Was this guy lifting
0: too many weights?
1: Was his, was, his, was, his, was his, his head spinning yeah. a little bit? Yeah. I mean, sit down. Well, have have just a drink like, water. Just take you, a load off, well, man. Because come on. Some people thought he'd be a t- one of the t- some people thought he'd be in the top five of the draft. I know, I know. Some I'm people thought that he was going to go in the top five of the draft, and here he is the second round, and you're not sure about your quarterback, and you don't have to pay him number one first round money, and I mean, it was some interesting points there, but in the end, I'm like, no, the Cardinals have to address some some basic needs, cornerback, center, Edge rusher. they don't. They can worry about a quarterback if Kylo doesn't work out. They can figure that out down the if road. If that
0: friend of yours at the gym is listening right now, I'm yeah. just, I'm just giving you grief. I just give you credit for being at a gym. I haven't gone to a gym in like five years. So congratulations, wow. well, come with me one Bravo. morning.
4: Maybe that's why your takes are so good. <laughs> Maybe yeah.
0: I'm not straining myself doing any real yeah. heavy physical lifting we or have, anything. We have less brain cells. A- a- and no, I don't want to go to the gym with you. We're good. When we come back on the Bernstein Gambo show, right after you text us your thoughts on what the Cardinals did yesterday, we'll get a chance. We'll read the good ones on the air, text us on the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Diamondbacks back in action today against the Colorado Rockies. We'll check in with manager Tori Lovello for his weekly visit. That's next on Burns and Gambo. Your exclusive home of the D-backs.
4: Diamondbacks. Arizona sports. The local sports leader.
0: D-backs manager Tori Lovello joins Burns and Gambo to talk D-backs baseball. As sports fans here in the Valley, we should all just relocate to the Mile High City for this weekend because you get a little double dip if you wanted to. You can watch the Suns take on the Nuggets, game one on Saturday, game two on Monday. And then you could also watch the Arizona Diamondbacks take on the Colorado Rockies. It is the place to be. And joining us right now, right in the middle of all of it, is the manager of the Arizona Diamondbacks for his weekly visit, Tori Lovello, joining us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Tori, how are you doing, man? I'm doing really good, guys. How are you?
1: Good, good. I, we got to start with with Zach Gallon. I mean, to me, as, as a diehard baseball fan, I would I always preferred the one nothing, two one, three two games than uh, you know nine eight, nine seven, seven five games. I loved watching Seaver against Carlton when I was a kid, and then Ron Guidry pitching. Watching Zach Gallon brings back a lot of memories for me of, of watching a great pitcher go out there and you know just dominate games. This is what three games in a row now 41 41 in a third innings uh last year and now he's got 28 this year what are you seeing with zach gallon so far
3: yeah first of all i'm with you gambo um in my core, i've told you guys this many times pitching and defense is a constant it's, it never goes away when you got it and and you're you are you doing it above average you 're going to be in every ball game, and that gives you a chance to win so um, now what i 'm seeing is somebody that is that is you know continuing to learn about himself, continuing to learn about his strengths, his limitations, trying to eliminate the limitations that 's who he is on the four days in between the starts and then on the start day it 's a great game plan that he 's come up with 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 our um with our run prevention team and he goes out there and executes. He makes pitches when he has to, he makes pitches in the right area in the right space, the right velocity with the right shape. And it's resulted in another unbelievable run. So it's good for all of us. You know, you come to the ballpark, you feel really good about the fact that you're going to win a baseball game and he deserves that.
1: The first two starts, the the Dodgers and the the Padres, he didn't pitch very well. He walked, you know, a bunch of guys in that Dodgers game. He gave up a bunch of hits and runs against the Padres. What do you think it was? Was it just you know, the ramp up to, to get to that point or just trying to adjust to the pitch clock? What, what's different from the first two starts?
3: Yeah, I think there were some new normals in baseball. Uh, The rule changes may have had an impact. Whether he was going to call his own game, which he started to do um, after that first start, whether um, the pitch timer was going to bother him getting up on the mound and reloading quickly, there there was so much that was going on around him. I think that uh, you know, in our preparation through the last few days in spring training, we really tried to simulate as much as we could so the game didn't speed up on any of our players. But you know, I don't think anything sped up on Zach. I just don't think he was at his absolute best because there were some distractions and he's a very routine routine oriented guy but you know making adjustments um, and being adaptable is a really important part of our culture and he figured it out and obviously he's done very well Tori
0: Lovello our guest here on the Burns and Gambo show for his weekly visit Diamondbacks in Denver today taking on the Colorado Rockies a game that you'll hear on ESPN 620 Tori, as the story goes when Brent Strom took the job as the Diamondbacks pitching coach one of his buddies apparently sent him a text or called him and said if you don't win a Cy Young award with Zach Gallen, you're doing something wrong, or words to that effect. What impact has Brent had on Zach in this in this kind of rediscovering of himself over the last season and a half?
3: Yeah, just what you would think. Um, you know, you got one, one of the best pitching coaches in all of baseball, um, and and he's run into some really good starting pitching that has developed. And he's also taking guys like Greinke and Verlander and Cole, uh, who were probably in the you know, mid to back end of their career, and taking it to the next level. Um, so I think with, with his mind, uh, with his ability to continue to teach and, and Zach's um, Zach's interest in continuing to grow and learn day by day it was a great marriage and the one thing that that i know from Stromi is he will not let you sit still he will not let you be complacent he is going to challenge you every day to get better and be a better version of yourself and zach is receptive to that and i think it's just been a it's been a wonderful um, relationship that i've watched uh you know they they i think they have a give and take relationship but Strami knows just where to push he's very savvy and very smart in that area
0: your rotation now with the med bum move and everything that's gone down, it's very young. It's a little raw on the back end. What's your comfort level with that right now?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's obvious that we are young, and and I wish we had more experience, but you can't fast-forward that. You can't cheat that. It just takes time to get that get that under your belt so you know, I'm concerned I'm not overly concerned but I've watched some young pitchers last year come up here and pitch really well in August and September so I have a strong feeling that no matter who comes up that they can get the job done and look I've been repeating myself over the past probably months. our players that come up from, from player development when they get here from AAA they, they are expected to contribute right away in years past you know that, that 24th, 25th, 26th guy would hide on the bench until it was a Sunday day game and he can go out there and perform it's not the case with us. Our guys need to step into this environment and produce and feel like they're able to go out as one of the of the, one of the twenty six to help us win a baseball game. So that's my expectation. So we're going to continue to hammer down on that. So whoever comes up to play or pitch, they're going to have to do that. But we feel very good about our, our starting our starting rotation. They just got to go out and execute at a high level to help us win games.
0: Is Brandon fought close? <laughs>
3: uh, you know <laughs> That's not my decision. Uh, you know, I, I wish I, I, wish I could tell you uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. how how close he is. I've had conversations with Blake Lawley, the AAA manager, um, and and as, as, as well as other people inside of the player development um, arena. They feel like he's on the right path and the right on the right course. So, how close is he? I don't know that answer. He's got to continue to grow and perform. But once again, he's one of those guys. When and if he gets here, he's going to need to come in here and help us win baseball games. All
1: right, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. You play in a really bad baseball team in Colorado. And if you guys want to be everything that we think you could be and that I I know you think the team can be, you got to take care of business against bad baseball teams. The Rockies are the worst in the National League. They're one of the three worst in baseballs. Do you you approach it that way? Like, hey, you know, we're the first place team now. It's us. And we've got to take advantage. and, And to get where we want to get, we've got to beat the teams we're supposed to beat.
3: Yeah, I think that's what good teams are able to do, right? Um, and that's, we're, we're striving to be the best team possible every single day. And what I tell them is, let's take care of today. Let's go one and no today and not worry about tomorrow. Um, you know, the wild card is you're in Colorado. They're, they're a different team in their ballpark and I don't want to, I don't want to, um, I don't wanna upcode or down code anything. We just gotta put it on us. When we put it on us and we play our baseball game against any team in in, in this league, we're gonna give ourselves a chance to win tonight. So my expectation is we're gonna go out and play our, our, our finest game tonight and, and shoot for perfection. And I think that leads you down a road of excellence. And you know, I don't wanna I don't wanna have any anybody give input about this is just the Rockies. I don't care. It's a major league team. I'll tell them if they say that to me. This is our team. It's our dugout and our clubhouse. Let's take care of our business. And when we do, we're going to come out on the right side of things. Do
1: you feel, I mean, and and it's, I always think you need about 40 games to kind of judge a team. That's about 25% of the season. You know, you guys aren't there yet, but you're getting close. But when I look at the Dodgers, they're a 500 baseball team. Do you feel that this year, more than maybe any other year, they're a little bit more vulnerable for you to overtake? Take them.
3: I do, I do. Um, you know, and I, like like I said, I'm very respectful of every team that we're going to be playing against. But um, you know, they lost some key players. We all know who they are. Uh, they're still the Dodgers, and and we still got to go out there and earn things every single day. So yeah, we we're 26 games in, um, and in, in gamble we have not played our best baseball. We've played really good baseball at times, but we've played very slippery baseball in some of the games that we've actually won too. Um, and we got to tighten that up. And and we're young, and we're going to dribble a ball off our foot every once. In we just got to limit that. We got to get better every single day. Um, not concern ourselves with what's going on inside of our division. We know that there are other teams that are very good inside of our division. Um, whether it's an advantage or disadvantage, if the schedule's has changed, I don't know. We just got to take care of our business.
1: Skip, I loved what Jake McCarthy brought to the team last year. And when you traded Dalton, you know, I know you went out there and you got Lewis and you got Goriel, but I still figured Jake would be a big part with Alec Thomas and, and Corbett in that outfield. Obviously a terrible start for him, but I'm just curious what you said to him, because I would expect that if he goes down there and does well, he'll be right back up because you could use a player like
3: that. Yeah, that's exactly what I told him, basically. Um, and a f- probably a few more words. Um, and just said, look, it hasn't been working. You've been putting your B-swing on the baseball. It's that chip flip to, to the opposite field, maybe rolling over ground balls. that's not you. You get into advantage counts. You walk up there in early counts, and, and you can backspin a ball as good as anybody. So get back to that A-swing. Let's finish through the baseball uh, and not worry about the outcome. But it looked like he was trying to place all the balls that he was hitting. You can't do that in this game. You just got to go out there and let and let let the barrel eat and, and see what happens to the baseball. So uh, he'll get back to that as soon as possible. He he is one of our better players. There's no doubt about it. And you know it, we 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 were all bummed that it, that it didn't go well. And we had to send him down. It was a very difficult conversation. But he took it well. I think he's a true pro. And and when those types of players look you in the eye and say that they'll be back and they're going to go down and get their get their 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 business taken care of, you certainly believe him.
0: Tori, we appreciate the time. Good luck this weekend. Enjoy Denver. We'll talk to you next week. Okay.
3: Okay, guys, talk to you Thanks,
0: soon. Thanks, Kev. joining us on the Arizona Sports Line. The Arizona Cardinals just drafted all American offensive lineman Paris Johnson Jr. with the six pick in the NFL draft. We're giving you the chance to be the first to own his jersey in the new Cardinals threads. Text the word draft to six twenty-six twenty for your chance to win a Paris Johnson Junior Cardinals jersey. Again, text the word draft to six twenty six twenty. Torrey just passed the phone over there to Kellen Olson, because he'll join us live from the Mile High City to preview. Round two between the Suns and the Nuggets next here on Burns and Gambo. The local
4: sports leader. Suns insider Kellen Olson joins Burns and Gambo to talk Phoenix Suns basketball.
2: Hey, Kevin. Uh, Kellen Olson, Arizona Sports. Nice to meet you. Welcome to the Valley. Uh, oh, yeah. Can you say it again? I'm Kellen. Welcome to the Valley. Nice to meet you. Courtside with Kellen.
4: Brought to you by Southwest Gas. Committed to exceeding expectations today while innovating sustainable solutions for tomorrow. We
0: appreciate Kellen's ability to join us for the second time this week. Normally, we only talk to Kellen once per week, but we are in the middle of the playoffs. What's the Wait, where's your microphone? There we go. There we go. There we go. There we go. All right. Trev's a little
1: rusty. Once is usually
2: enough, but we're going to go two times with oh, Kellen. Oh, man, Next Kellen, time.
1: you going to let him talk about you like yeah. that? Come on, man.
2: Doesn't he always chirp up more when I'm not physically there?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you're such a physical (laughs) presence. (laughs) Oh, my God.
0: Uh, Well, you're off to a good start today so far. (laughs) Jeez. All right, Kellen. uh, Yeah, it is your second visit this week, but you're in Denver. You're joining us live right now from the Mile High City. Tomorrow, game one between the Suns and the Nuggets. And there are so many burning questions on this one, it's hard to know where to start. You've got a three-part preview up at ArizonaSports.com right now. Part one probably focuses on the question that most of us have about this series. DeAndre Eaton versus Nikola Jokic. We all saw what we saw two years ago. Does D.A. have that in him again to do it again this time around?
2: Yeah, we, we know that he has it in him. It's just a matter of if he's going to do it. And this just kind of speaks to the volatility of him as a player overall. You just never know. We just don't know. We, we know what he's capable of. And for what that him being capable of right now being playing to the level of the back-to-back MVP in a playoff series. It's pretty remarkable that that's one of the levels that we're talking about that he can reach, but he's capable of it in this series as a whole. Um, In part three of the preview, I also got into how like Chris Paul and Kevin Durant, their roles in the office as well. I think this just kind of speaks to how the series as a whole, if the Suns are able to get what they need out of DeAndre and get what they need out of Chris Paul, get what they need out of Kevin Durant and not have it be Booker Heroics like it more was in the last round, I think they're going to be fine. I think this series shouldn't be that much of a problem for them, but assuming one of those things doesn't come to plan or multiple of them do, I think they're starting to get really in trouble here and as you can tell I have a prediction but I have no idea how the series is going to go really no clue.
1: No and and, you know that's where you know I think the key for DeAndre honestly is just to not get in foul trouble. Now I like you know I like Biz coming in and giving you a little bit of presence so you've got a lot of fouls that you could give on on Jokic but you know the key for DeAndre we've seen at times when he's had to sit for long even in the playoffs we had a stretch where he had to sit for a long period of time in foul trouble He's, you know, it's, it's, it's easy for centers to get in foul trouble against Jokic. He's got to avoid that.
2: He absolutely doesn't. He needs to get back to just being the biggest, uh, the the best guy on the team when it comes to his motor and his energy. Some of the clips I included in there in the preview were uh, of plays that I'm sure some Suns fans were surprised to see from him if they had just started watching this year. Maybe there are some KD fans that have only been around for a couple of months covering the team and following it. But you look at some of those offensive rebounds that are like, They're called 50-50 balls, but they're really like 90-10 balls where DeAndre had a 10% shot at, and he just kept getting them with those great hands that he has. But there's the part. I say great hands, and 15 people in their car just now were like, what would you just say? He has great hands. Did you watch last series? Yes, he does. He has really good hands but they're just inconsistent, just like him as a whole. And, and he just needs to run up and down the court, too. I think wearing out Jokic was a big thing. You guys remember the flagrant foul and campaign that got him ejected? I just think that was him just being at the end of his overall effort that he had exhausted himself through. And DeAndre had a huge part to do with that with how active he was getting up and down the court. And at the bare minimum, if he's doing that energy stuff, guys, and staying out of foul trouble, I think it's a win for the Suns. And then if you talk about the scoring, uh, doing a good job defensively on Jokic, limiting him to 25 instead of 40, then that's a bonus, in my opinion.
0: Kellen Olsen, live from Denver. Tomorrow's Game 1. You'll hear here on Arizona Sports this Western Conference semifinals, a rematch from a couple of years ago. And obviously things have changed for both of these teams in terms of players who are here and players who are available. I want to go to your second part of your preview because I, I thought that was the most thought-provoking part of all of this was Devin Booker, who he guards, the minutes he's played, how much energy he needs to expend on both ends of the court and how exactly they're going to manage Devin Booker. Right, look, he's in tremendous shape. I give you that. But given the shots that he's defended and the shots that he's taken and how involved he's been on both sides of the floor, are, are you a little worried about overwork when it comes to Devin Booker in this series and what they might need from him?
2: I am, yeah, and part of that preview got into Jamal Murray and just how effective he's been. Uh, Gambo's made a great point over the last two years about this Suns team and just how some nights you weren't sure who the the second guy was going to be after Chris faded a bit, and if you look at this Denver team, The second guy is supposed to be Murray, but there are some nights where it hasn't been necessarily for them over the course of this season, but it is in the playoffs. And he is a tremendous playoff performer, and the Suns are going to need their best defensive effort on him to contain him. And I think part of that will have to do with Devin Booker and him playing and and playing defense on him. But to your point, the fascinating bit of research I found in there is that the 216 minutes that he played over five games, when you look at a five-game span in the first round, that's only been done three other times in the last eight years. And one of the other guys was Kevin Durant. And then it's Dorian Finney-Smith and Pascal Siakam last year. But once we hit 2016, guys, they just stopped. Those kind of minute allocations just stopped. All the load management data started coming in, all the sports science stuff that indicated that this wear and tear was just too much. The Suns don't believe so, with those minute totals at least. And it'll be interesting to see not only how many minutes Book is playing, but how many of them are going to be at that high level because we've seen how great he is defensively. But do you want him to... Potentially wear himself down guarding Jamal Murray. Then again, he's probably the best option to guard Jamal Murray. It's a lot of questions here we're going to start to get some answers to tomorrow.
1: Yeah, I'm, listen, I'm happy that they got rid of him in five and got, you know, three full plus days of rest. You know, I think that that's important. I I, I want to ask you about the bench because for a long time, you know, the Nuggets weren't getting contributions from their roster. They were really struggling, especially when Jokic came out of the game. But it did seem like in this series against Minnesota, that their bench really provided a lift for them.
2: It absolutely did, yeah. I'm digging through the numbers for the final part of the preview tonight, and last, uh, during the regular season, I should say, the Nuggets had a minus 10 net rating when Jokic was off of the floor, meaning at 10 points per 100 possessions they were getting outscored by. That's awful. They added 12 net rating when Jokic was on the floor. That's outstanding. In the playoffs so far, it's only been 60 minutes that Jokic has sat for, but their net rating is 20 when he sat out. Now that's, again, 60 minutes. There are some big runs in there that have really inflated and padded that stat, but they've gone to Jeff Green as a small ball five, and it's worked. And if you look at definitive advantages in this series, Gamble, I'm not exactly sure where too many are for either side. I mean, obviously for the Suns, they got the two stars Devin Booker and Kevin Durant but I think Denver's got a pretty decisive and definitive edge here in the bench and I think that could really wind up mattering they've figured some stuff out there both Browns Bruce Brown and Christian Brown both of them are really good the rookie especially from Kansas has been impressive and then Jeff Green's coming off a good series they play small and uh, once those reserves start to trickle in it'll be interesting to see how the scores match and how much Denver can get away with Jokic sitting and how much the Suns can get away with Booker and Durant resting all right
0: uh- Normally, we open a segment, the 245 segment, with the Twitter poll question of the day. We're going to end it because we want Kellen's answer on this one, too. So go ahead and hit it for me, Trev, if you will, please. The Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. Rooms, what you got for us?
4: It was the first question you mentioned, and we had to pose it to the people as well. Do you believe that DeAndre Ayton can replicate his 2021 performance against Nikola Jokic this year? Simple yes or no, gentlemen. We'll start with Gambo. Not will can can he can
0: not he? will he?
1: can
4: he do it? Yes.
0: Yeah, he can. Yes, he can. Can? Oh, you're going on. But he can. It's there,
2: Kellen. Yeah, I'm with you guys. He can. he can. Now, will he? I think that's the more interesting question, perhaps. And I'm not sure. I'm not Would sure. Would you all be no on will
4: if I changed it to
1: will he? If you change it to will he, you could
4: put me down for a no. Jokic
1: has more a better supporting cast now that he did back then. So the game's different. You know, the game's just different. It's so hard to compare him because now he's got his, you know, the one-two punches there, which makes it, look how much better Devin Booker is with a better one-two punch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you change the question to Will, I would I would say no.
0: I,
2: I, I, yeah, I Go ahead, Kellen. Well, I'm with you guys, and I think this just more speaks to how outstanding he was then, right? Yeah, it's less right. about the heights that he could reach now and just like, he was phenomenal during that whole run. But again, we know what he's capable. Have
0: we seen it? Yep, Chris Paul was going to get him a bag two years ago when he got the bag. Uh, what's the audience say on this one?
4: 61.7% believe that, yes, DeAndre Ayton can replicate his 2021 performance against Jokic. 38.3% say no. Kellen has three preview pieces up at ArizonaSports.com. Part four is
1: coming tonight. Kellen, yes?
2: Yes, sir. We uh, don't stop. We don't
1: stop. No, we don't. We do crank out up, the content. Do you, do you wake up like in the middle of the night with thoughts and just write them down?
2: <laughs> no, I had to be up at 4 a.m. for my flight, and I have not slept since, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to sleep until tonight. But it's that time of year. I'm looking at ballerina out my window right now. I'm excited. I love out- it.
0: Outstanding. Kellen, we appreciate it. We look forward to reading your stuff. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks, guys. Kellen Olsen joining us live on the Arizona Sports Line from Denver. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, we turn our attention, we'll stay on our attention, I should say, on the Suns and the Nuggets. Is there an underdog
3: in this series? Is there a favorite in this series? How tight is this? We'll talk next. Burns and Gambo.